Hello, Canada. Baseball fans, people scrolling through the internet who stumbled upon this by accident, and most importantly, our friends who are giving this a pity listen because we begged them to. Welcome to episode three of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. My name is Clayton Croker. To my left, we have Justin. Don't call me Mr. Anderson. Anderson, how's it going, Justin? It's going quite wonderful. And over Skype, we have the man, the myth, the legend, Patrick, the Halifax hottie, the maritime mistress maker, Marsh. How's it going, Patrick? Good. How are you? Good. If you are just starting the podcast now, basically, we are a bunch of Canadians talking about the great American pastime, Canada, where the Jason Bay fan club originated, the land that Ferguson Jenkins made famous. And today we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about on the show. Justin Anderson, take it away. Okay, uh, so first up, we're going to touch base on the Blue Jays and their recent three-game winning sweep of the Washington Nationals. Woo! Last week, we had a bit of a depressing start with the three-game sweep in the TROP. Um, completely different story. I mean, I think a lot of Jays fans are ready to see this team just roll over this past weekend and uh, let the Nationals stomp all over him. But a lot of power. Uh, Yngarra Solarte, three home runs in the series. Mm-hmm. Hernandez got in on the action. And this Kendris Morales guy playing well and Randall Gritchick all of a sudden looking like Jose Bautista did back in the day. Some other things we're going to talk about, uh, Jay Jay Happ and the trade rumors surrounding him. Same with Ryan Tapera as he starts to uh, pitch a little bit better. My man Patrick has a little bit of a rant coming up, if you will, a segment called What Ifs, which you are about to absolutely fall in love with. Uh, We're also just going to talk about some other baseball stuff as well. Uh, Justin's got our advanced stats segment. Of course, we like that. We're going to talk about how Mike Trout deserves way better. And uh, we might even get to some fan mail if we have some time. Uh, It all depends on Patrick's rant because it says five minutes. I have a feeling it's going to be about 10, bud. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) All right. Let's uh, talk about the week that was the Jays sweeping the Washington Nationals, looking really, really good. Um, Patrick, what do you think was the biggest difference between the Jays against Tampa and then the Jays against the Nationals? Oh, it's got to be the hitting all the way. All the guys that we trash talked last week uh, (laughs) came out in force. Devin Travis uh, was phenomenal. Uh, Kendris Morales showed up. Randall Gritchick apparently doesn't suck anymore. So here we go. All the, all the guys that we trash talk every week seem to be picking it up. So maybe we should just keep it up. I would just like to say I did not trash talk anyone. I was on the DL throwing my guts out, and uh, I lost 10 pounds. Thank you for asking. I feel oh, great. Shit. So, yeah, I feel a lot uh, slimmer, feel a lot quicker. So, uh, yeah, fast. I heard you guys really ripped on the squad, though. But we did <laughs> eviscerate the pitchers. It's, it's kind of we, we were way nicer to the hitters than we were the pitchers. The I pitchers, ugh, oh, they boy. Worse. Uh, Justin, what about you? Are you in the same group as Patrick? You're going with the hitting? Yeah, it's got to be hitting. I mean, we did get some pretty good starting pitching. Uh, Estrada was good again. And, I mean... What can we say? He's he's been better lately, mm-hmm. uh, but again, the hitters have just really shown up this past three games, and hopefully, they can continue it with the Braves coming to town. That's gonna be tough, though. It's gonna be a tough series. Uh, for me, I thought it was the bullpen. I mean, look at that last mm-hmm. game uh, before those back-to-back dingers. Fair it was enough. a really close game. The bullpen they didn't falter like they were in Tampa Bay and the last previous weeks before that. The bullpen, some underrated heroes from that uh, series against Washington. Uh, Patrick, we'll start with you. The uh, upcoming games. Here. We got the Braves coming to Rogers Center. We got the Angels on the road. Uh, what do you think is the better matchup for us, the Braves or the Angels? Ooh, uh, well, I mean, I expected the Angels to start going into their tailspin because they had lost Otani, but 
they're still a far better team than Toronto. So it's at this point, it's just kind of pick your poison between all the teams that we've got coming up, including uh, Houston. We've got a three-game road swing right after we finish up uh, in Anaheim. So it's not looking too good, boys. <laughs> we got nine really tough games. Yeah, uh, basically all I can say about the Angels is uh, two words. We got Mike Trout, mm-hmm. and I mean that guy is. We're gonna talk about him later, but he is he is a god in, uh, in terms of baseball skill and just pure athleticism. I can't say enough about Mike Trout. So, do you think that the Jays are gonna take these next two series, build some momentum, or do you think they're gonna falter again? Classic uh, Jays roller coaster of emotion. I I see it. The best we get against Atlanta is a split. Okay. If we can split that two game set. Anytime you can split a two-game series, I don't think you're, you're going to take any negatives from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe on the road in Anaheim, uh, it's going to depend on starting pitching a lot. If the starters can get two, three times through the through the order and get us to the sixth or seventh inning, then we've got a shot. The back end of our bullpen with Tapera and Clippard has been okay mm-hmm. recently. So if we can get to, to those guys, and Aaron Loop's actually been okay this year too. Um, so if we can get through six or seven innings and have a one or two run lead against the Angels, we can probably take two or three out of four. Calling it right now, the Jays take both against Atlanta. We get swept by the Angels because we're dog shit on the road. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some trade rumors, though, because that seems to be the big issue with uh, Jays fans right now. Are yeah. we going to be sellers? Are we going to play better and maybe turn into buyers? Uh, Jay Happ. Patrick, what would a team have to offer us for you to trade Jay Happ in the next couple of weeks? Not at the deadline, but like right now. What would you like to see in return for Jay Happ? Boy, uh, I think I'd be thrilled with some sort of pitching prospect. If we're going to empty out the uh, the team, we got to have something to field next year, at least while you know all of our prospects start to mature. So if we're going to trade away Jay Happ at this point, I would much prefer us get some kind of pitching prospect or someone to chew up innings uh, because he's clearly our best pitcher this year. And if we're going to end up making a deal with someone like the Yankees, I want them to pay out the nose for it because they're in our division. And if Hap decides to re-sign with the Yankees, we're going to have to face them. So it's it's got to be a decent return. It's got to be something that helps us, you know, develop our pitching, uh, you know, not just this year or next year, but, you know, a year or two after that. The Yankees also have the farm system and the depth to right. really give us a lot. We know that they're not struggling when it comes to prospects, so we can kind of milk that as well. I got a good would you rather here, fellas. And uh, Justin, we can start with you. Sure. Would you rather have Jay Happ traded to a team like the Yankees or the Red Sox for three very, very sexy prospects, like Kyle Drabeck S prospects that have a lot of hype around them? Right. Or would you rather see us move a guy like Ryan Tapera, who's pitching really, really well, maybe get more in return for a guy like his talent, but not the sexy prospect just to middle of the road guys that might work out and they might contribute this year i'll take the sexy prospects any okay. day of the week um the big reason that the yankees want them is because boston has a sub 700 ops against left-handed pitchers gotcha and they're hitting about 850 against righties so and jay Happ's a guy who's been in the al east for a while now and he's shown success against those kind of teams the yankees and the red sox yeah so the yankees want him because they're gonna have to play boston a lot down the stretch they're competing for the division and likely maybe in the playoffs they'll play them too and the same with the Mariners are in the in the market for half as well mm-hmm. they know him well they've he's pitched there before and they're going to have to play one of the Yankees or the Red Sox in the postseason as well so they're they're kind of they're thinking ahead 
and it's kind of a plan between the Yankees and the and the Mariners to beat Boston with with left-handed pitchers right now. So, Patrick, would you rather the Tapera trade or the Hap trade? Whatever gets us maximum value. This is sort of the theme that keeps coming up every mm-hmm. time uh, we talk about trades. Is it's all about maximizing our value, and I think Hap gets us the most amount of value at this point. Getting the three sexy prospects from a division rival would be uh, disarming to New York in the future. And I like the fact that the Yankees would be crippled somewhat by the deal. Bryant Paris still has uh, at least two more or three more years of team control after this year. And he's starting to come into his own as a solid bullpen guy, someone mm-hmm. who can uh, sit in that spot for the seventh or eighth inning, or even the ninth, depending on what happens with Roberto Osuna. So, for me, I say deal Hap, get the most we can out of him, and then, you know, come free agency time, you know, we can look at bringing him back. Doing it again. Yeah, third time's the charm, <laughs> Third time's the charm, hey? <laughs> uh, I'd say to Para, I'm not ready to... Uh, I am pretty ready to give up this season. Gotta be ready. Already, but I, I'm talking like in the next week or two, who right. would you rather see traded? I'm going to go with Tapera. If we can get some value for Tapera in return, because I just think Ryan Tapera is one of those pitchers that, you know, he's going to be great for about three quarters of the year, and that's the only good baseball he'll have in him. He'll be mediocre after that. So if we're seeing him right now at his absolute best, which it looks like it is, his career high, strikeouts per nine, yeah. he's pitching really, really well, he's got good command of his fastball, I'd say get rid of him and get something back if we can. I mean, why not? Um, all right, let's let's get to it. We tease at the top here. Patrick's going to go on a little bit of a rant. Um, it's called What Ifs, right, Patrick? That's right. So what is What Ifs all about? Give us a little uh, descriptive here before you get into it. So for the What Ifs, basically I just want to explore hypothetical situations uh, involving the Toronto Blue Jays. So this week in particular, uh, it's kind of harkens back to what we've discussed in our previous two uh, episodes, which is that this season is over. But what if the Toronto Blue Jays go on an absolute tear Mm -hmm. over the next, we'll say 20 games and win every single one of them, (laughs) <laughs> what what are our chances still if we, that were to happen? We've been known to do that too. We've gone on 13, 14 game tears before in the past. I mean, we can do that. It, you're absolutely right. But here's where the math starts to look really, really ugly for us. <laughs> Let's say hypothetically that the Toronto Blue Jays starting today win 20 games in a row, which not only shatters the MLB record for uh, consecutive games one, which would bring us up to 23, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So routing that high off of Washington. Right. Yeah, not only would we be shattering that record, uh, we would still only be at 53 wins and 38 losses, which would still keep us below the track of the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, the Houston Astros, and the Seattle Mariners, assuming that they all just all of a sudden played no better than 500 baseball. So... You want to know why we keep saying that the season is over? It Because it effectively is. Even if we started shattering records now, we're still going to be in the hole against these other teams. Because those four teams effectively block us from being able to get a playoff spot. New York and Boston are in our division. And one of them will 
or must account for a wild card spot. Houston and Seattle, they're in a different division, but if one of them continues to be 20 games above 500, they're still going to occupy one of those wild card spots. So barring some sort of catastrophic implosion by one of these teams, we're out of it. It's over. It sucks to say it, but the situation is very deceptive right now. When you look at our record, you say, oh, we're only five games blown. We're on a bit of a, a tear because we've won seven of our last ten, and all the bats are starting to wake up. The team, the situation as it stands is very deceptive. The team should be looking at focusing on being competitive in baseball games in order to prove individual value of each of its players so that way we can maximize our value when it comes trade deadline where we're going to be dumping almost every player we possibly can to get the most amount of value. Captain Optimism, so, Patrick Marsh. Uh, now yeah. I'm super depressed for the rest of this podcast. Well, uh, wow. It's, it's funny because this last week it was Patrick was saying all of these scenarios through our Skype chat, and I was the one that was just like, nope, math, 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 math. It doesn't work. It's yeah. not going to happen. There's no way, even if we win 20 games in a row, that these teams are going to play 500 baseball. The Yankees and the Red Sox are better than 500 ball, and the Astros are more likely to win 20 games than anybody. Um, and you, you talked a little about maximizing value there, Patrick, and yeah, I definitely agree. Like Individual value, we've got Stroman, who's going to be coming off the DL this weekend, just announced today. He's going to join us in Anaheim. He's going to play. And Donaldson took BP today, so I mean, he's close. Mm. So we've got some guys that are coming back. And I mean, that makes... Having Josh Donaldson makes the team a lot more dangerous. And, I mean, we've seen guys like Grichuk and Travis come back, Grichuk from the DL, Travis from AAA, um, and go on tears here. So Donaldson could come back and do the same thing and, and play like Josh Donaldson. Mm-hmm. So it's not unforeseen that we stay competitive in baseball games, as Patrick alluded to, and just start maximizing value. Like, And you mentioned it with Hap, trading to Para first. I mean, yeah, Tapera's more volatile. A bullpen guy's always going to be more volatile than a starting pitcher. Like, mm-hmm. If a starting pitcher has one bad game, you're like, ah, it's fine. It's Jay Half. He'll be okay. Yeah. He can come up and throw eight innings of shutout ball the next time out, and then you're like, oh, yeah, he's still fine. So he's the kind of guy that we can keep around until the middle of July, right to the deadline, and then hopefully he's pitching as well as he is now, and we move him for those sexy prospects. Just a couple Billy Beans here. Hey, it's all about yeah. the math with you guys. Math. It's all about the numbers and Especially this and that. Stats. You got to stick with your heart. That's the kind of baseball <laughs> fan I am, you know? We still got a chance, guys, okay? <laughs> we still got a chance. Lloyd Christmas style, so you're saying there's a chance. Uh, okay, that was the rant. Uh, Patrick, five minutes on the dot, by the way. Sorry for saying you would take ten. Oof. Well done, Patrick. I, ap- I, I kind of planned it out a little bit. <laughs> okay. I apologize to you, which is a great segue for the next segment, titled Apologies and Appreciation. It's almost as if I planned it out that way. Uh, I'm looking forward to this because, uh, Justin, you have to apologize to Devin Travis because you completely destroyed him, and now he is destroying the baseball. So I'm going to let you apologize. Devin Travis, if you're listening, I owe you a huge apology. I'm very sorry. I told you that you were essentially, uh, I think I used the word dog shit, perhaps. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> since you have come back from your recall, you were hitting on an insane pace. So you hit 292 in May, and you've rolled that over to a 351 so far in June. Hmm. That's not bad, Devin Travis. Not bad at all. You got some power going for you. You're hitting extra base hits. You're not striking out every time up like you were before. I gotta give you some credit, bud. You're solidifying that 
that order and yeah i owe Devin travis a huge apology ah uh, that made me think of another would you rather for patrick this will be a quick one um <laughs> out of the two players who started slow and then came off the dl and started to kill it who would you want to see on our team next year Devin travis or randall gritchick uh, well, I mean, we have a log jam at second base that we've discussed many times before. Mm-hmm. I see Randall Grichuk, if he can stop being terrible at the plate, maybe draw some more walks as being a more useful player. And I believe our control for him is longer. Mm-hmm. So again, it's all about getting that value. I'd love to see Devin Travis uh, get a fresh start somewhere else because I feel like he just has no future with Toronto no matter what way you slice it because eventually our sexy prospects are going to come up. Bo Bichette, Gurriel, they can all play second. Kavan Biggio can play second. And right now we've already got Travis, Diaz, Solarte can play second. We just don't need Devin Travis anymore. The experiment has failed. We got our value out of that trade. Time to ship him off. Uh, fare thee well. Go somewhere else and... You know, hopefully we get back something we can use. I think Devin Travis is the better ball player, but Randall Gritchick gives us that immediate need that we need for another corner bat in the lineup. And again, more corner outfielders. You can never have too many of those. Yeah. Uh, also, Gurriel called up today. He's yeah. going to be playing with the Jays, so that's good news. Yeah, he's filling in for Gaviglio's mm-hmm. uh, bereavement leave or paternity, whatever it's going to be. Let's uh, talk about some appreciation. Paternity leave. Paternity yeah. leave? Okay. Let's, let's talk about some appreciation now because, yes. uh, yeah, Yandrevis Salarte killing it. Two home runs on Friday, one from each side of the plate. Um, appreciate him. Justin. Yeah, so, I mean, the guy hit two home, two on Friday, and then he hit one on Sunday, went back-to-back with uh, Teoscar Hernandez in that game, and he went opposite field for that one, too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's Salarte is a crazy kind of an enigma. I mean... The the guy's career high in home runs is 18 last year, and he's already got 15 this year. He's going to shatter it by the All Star break. Yeah, if he keeps this up. I mean, he's he, half the games that he's half the games played that he's as of, as of last year at this point, and he's only three three home runs away. Um, all of his numbers are pretty similar to where he's been in his career. Like his average is actually below his career numbers, but he's slugging the ball this year, which is something he hasn't really done in the past. Um, yeah, his power numbers are great, which, I mean, you can contribute to maybe the Rogers Center. He's going to better hitters uh, ballpark, and he's playing every day, Yeah, which is a big thing. That's I the mean, big one. He's never had that in his career. I mean, he, he did play in 152 games at the Padres in 2015, um, which is kind of when he broke into the league, but then he went, well, he went down and played 109 the next year. So he's he's given given a chance to be an everyday player this year with some of the injuries we had with, with Donaldson going out, and he's been playing third base a lot. And he's actually looked okay at third. Mm-hmm. He's made some good plays. He's missed a few that he should have made, um, but not give, not been given errors because he just didn't make the play. Uh, but that's another story for another day. I like talking about defense. Uh, but, I mean, I have nothing but positives to say about Solarte's performance this year. He's he's really been an insane value pickup for us. We didn't give up much to get him mm-hmm. at all. No, he's not, not, we gave up practically nothing he's, for him. And he's making, like, basically dirt. I mean, he's making, like... million or something this year. Yeah. And for a guy who can play virtually anywhere on the diamond and he's hitting the way he is, yeah, 
take that any day of the week. I think it's the meaningful at bats because when he was an everyday player with San Diego, that team was garbage. Always. And they were never in games. And as a baseball player, if you're down 8 nothing, I mean, yes, they're professional baseball players, but they're also humans. They're not going to care. Yeah, it's, it's, they're not going to go tough. to the plate with the same approach. Now yeah. in Toronto, he's playing. I mean, sure, we're a little bit more out of it than most teams, but at least it's still kind of meaningful baseball in the AL East. You're playing the Yankees. You're playing the Red right. Sox. You get more up for those at-bats. Uh, more appreciation time here. Uh, let's go to Patrick for this one. Sun's out, guns out, Kendris Morales. <laughs> I'm happy that he's turning it around because I love the fact that he's rolling up his sleeve at the plate. That's awesome. I think it is so funny. I don't know why, but I see like he's just showing off the guns. I absolutely love it. And it's been working for him because, yeah, Patrick, Kendris is killing it. Yeah, he's starting to pull, pull things uh, back towards what we expected of him when we originally signed him to that deal, which we're now still kind of regretting. <laughs> But in his last seven games, he's hit 370, 393 on base, and 593 slugging percentage with a home run and three ribbies. I couldn't ask for very much else from, you know, a DH. So right now, I, I just see him as being someone who, like we discussed before, is a leader in the clubhouse. He might be able to kind of convince everybody that the season's not really over and we should just keep you know, keep doing our bests and all of that, you know, wonderful hoo-ha. But just it's nice to see him bounce back a little bit. And who knows, maybe come July, if he continues to perform this way, maybe a team looks at him and says, hmm, we might need a DH. Maybe, you know, we should pick him up and, you know, switch it. Maybe we get maybe we get him off of our hands. Yeah. I love how that's the conversation surrounding every single Jay right now. Well, maybe if he gets hot, we can trade him. Like, it's, that's the only thing Jay's fans are looking forward to. It's depressing, but, I, I mean, it's, it's reality that we live in right now. Yeah, I hope he gets better so we can get rid of him. Like, that's everyone's mindset right now. Uh, we already talked about Gritch a little bit here, yeah. but you know what? I'm a big fan of Gritch because he's an athletic guy, and he just looks like a ball player. I love those guys who are just, you can just tell they're ball players. The John McDonald factor, I yeah. like to call it. You know, they just, there's something about them that just screams ball player and that's why I loved Randall Gritchick at the start uh, by start I mean first game because after that it was all downhill for Gritch yeah. uh, he's coming back and he's killing it though uh, do you see Randall Gritchick keeping this up for the rest of the season um, n- not to this extent but I mean we can sit we want about Gritchick's start it was terrible but you could tell he wasn't he wasn't giving up he was going out there they were putting him in the lineup every day because I mean this the guy was close uh, we, we touched a bit on it last week uh, when, when Pat and I were talking is uh He's standing up taller in his batting stance now than he was. Oh, okay. I don't think he was sitting on a chair mm-hmm. at the start of the year. Now he's a little bit more upright. Yeah. And that's one of the things he said that he uh, he kind of worked on when he was rehabbing was standing a bit taller. It lets him get his bat through the zone a lot quicker. Um, and, yeah, he's hit five home runs in, in 13 games since he's been back. So, I mean, he's batting 326. Mm. And his, his, his production has just been it's been phenomenal. I mean, three doubles in there too. Uh so I mean, the guy's gonna probably be around a two seventy hitter. I think that's his peak. Mm-hmm. He'll average up to there. He's up to one ninety six. He was hitting one oh six in April. Um, Yikes! So I mean, he's 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 moved his average up ninety points in thirteen games, which for he's him he's really only, good. He's only played in thirty four games all season. So I mean, he's 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 reaching the point in another eight games he'll have played in as many games after his injury as he did before. So we'll kind of see. What the next eight games bring, I'd imagine we'll see his average. It's at 3.26 right now. By the time June's over, it'll probably be down. His monthly average will probably be somewhere around 2.90, 2.85. I don't envision him hitting 3.26 
consistently. He'll go on tears like this where he's going to be unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, he's he's our best defensive outfielder, statistically speaking. Kevin Pillar, mm, not that great. Okay, <laughs> sure. And Grizzly Adams had a beard. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing about Grichuk before yeah. we uh, leave him behind. One thing that I'd really like to see him do a lot more of is draw walks. <laughs> this is your thing. He's man. not very. Yeah, he's not very good at doing that. He's only drawn three so far in June, but. That being said, he's definitely seen the ball better, so I think it's just a matter of time before we see him draw uh, a few more walks than what we're used to seeing him, at least this season. And if he can keep crushing the cover off the ball the way that he has been, I feel really confident uh, in him sort of finding his way back up to finishing the season with about 240 as his batting average. Maybe he gets the um, base percentage up to about 300. That would be great. That would be a successful season, especially considering how terrible his April was. Right. Whenever we have a player that is struggling to get walks and is striking out a lot, I always just think at least he's not Chris Davis. Positivity, guys. Yeah, we're Positivity. Not to sit on the bench. Uh, I'll let you have this last. Uh, I don't even know if this is an apology or an appreciation. Basically, we're just going to chirp our catchers because they both suck. <laughs> they both suck. Um, Patrick, <laughs> you have the floor, buddy. Just go off on our catchers. I really hope you do because they are not stepping up and playing well. Russell Martin in his last 30 games has only batted 173. He's drawing lots of walks, which makes me not want to pick on him so much. Uh, his on-base percentage is about 325, uh, but he just cannot hit the ball. Like uh, like Justin said last week, it's like he's swinging a shopping bag out there. It yeah. just it does not look good. And I'm not so bad on Maley because he's starting Shady. to re- regress back to what we thought would be his ceiling. Right. Uh, but that being said, my God. God, we need a catcher. Where's yeah. Danny Jansen at? Is he ready yet? Can we call no. him up right now? He's been ready all season. I don't think he's ready yet. So, Luke Maley. What do you think he hit in April, Clayton? Do you have, a, do you have a, an estimate? In April? Yeah. That wasn't his good month, was it? Yeah, it was his, it was his, it was his, it was his only good month. I'm going to say he hit 330 because he didn't play that often. 351 yeah. in 10 games. And then in May in 17 games, 189. Uh, June five games so far, one forty three. So I mean, he is tumbling. His average is down to two forty on in the year, um, and his his BABIP is still crazy high. His batting average on balls in play it's still higher than it should be. So Luke Maley is due. I hate that word. He's <laughs> he's about <laughs> to see even more regression because his BABIP is still three fifty five and his career BABIP is two sixty two. So I'm gonna say if he's gonna be hitting over two hundred, come the end of July even look further ahead we'll be lucky to see that him and russell martin are going to be competing to see who has the lowest batting average it's a it's a game of golf between these two <laughs> and whoever has the lowest <laughs> the lowest batting average is going to win a uh, a dfa or if you're mainly he might even have an option to triple a and we'll see danny jansen pretty quickly um that would be great to see jansen come up with the team especially if he can get a chance to see some weird off-speed stuff yeah. here in the majors but He's been credit to Melee, yeah. do you know what he does better than Russell Martin? Throws up base runners. Yes. Oh, yeah. But what Got else it. does he do? Um, he just defends better, too. <laughs> he is better at drawing walks. Yeah. Is he actually this year, hey? Is his, Yeah. Yeah. He's actually 
so far in June, in his uh, six games or five games or whatever we want to call it, yeah. uh, he's drawn four walks. While uh, Russell Martin, I don't think, is quite there. Uh, but he's mm-hmm. Martin's played more games. At this point, I'd much rather have Maley in the lineup because Martin's swing is a complete mess. Right. Where at what point do we, you know, give him the all Hanley Ramirez uh, special and just DFA him and see what happens? Well, the tough part about catchers is comparing them is that their games are so they're very different. They're very different because one catcher is going to be, you know, having like a hundred starts or something like that. You know, uh, another catcher is going to have like thirty starts. He can't really compare those numbers. You know, it's like yeah. oh wait, maybe he keeps that you know trend up or something like that. But um, I have a question regarding Russell Martin here. Sure. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but his Contract is up after this year, right? One more year. So he's got one more year. Yeah. Let's say the Jays release him after next year. Yeah. Because I think they're they probably will. They won't resign him though. Would you consider Russell Martin as like a fan favorite Jay during his tenure here? One of those guys. Like, would you rather would you put him in like the Darren Fletcher category of Jays catchers, where he's going to be loved and remembered for good things, or would you put him in that JP Aaron Sebia category, where you just remember the bad things? He's not a JP for sure. I would I would put him in that fan favorite because he is Canadian, he's looked up to for that. I, I mean he's he's definitely a leader in the clubhouse still, and we and we can't yeah. rag on catchers too hard offensively because that's not their principal job. Their job is to work with the pitching staff and call games. Mm-hmm. And I mean you you look at guys like Estrada and and Hap who they just never shake him off. He knows how to call a ball game, which is the one thing that is an intangible when you have guys like Yadi Molina who's considered the best game caller mm-hmm. in maybe a long maybe forever by some. Um Russell Martin's definitely up there in terms of game calling in the league. Uh, <clears throat> Luke Maley is is getting better. We you notice we can talk about catcher statistics another time because I could go into it for hours on end um and probably bore the crap out of everybody listening. But leaving it at that, I mean, defensively, catchers do so much more than just throw out base runners. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a it's a game calling. It's a mental thing that they're they're playing mind games with with every hitter who comes to the plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable how much they have to know. Patrick is uh, Russell Martin going to be in that Aaron Sebia category or Fletcher category? Uh, whatever is above Darren Fletcher, because most Jays fans now probably don't even remember that name. Oh, well, I do. Russell Martin. Well, yeah. I'm not most Jays here, fans, though. <laughs> exactly. Fan, so yeah. with Russell Martin, um, he was here when we went back to the playoffs. He, like Justin said, he's a great game caller. He's definitely one of the best game callers in MLB. His bat and his defensive prowess have declined significantly since we signed him. We can't deny that at all. But as far as like a f- the face of the franchise or a popular player, if you told me uh, right now that Russell Martin was our most popular player on our team, I wouldn't be surprised because he, number one, he's Canadian, and number two, he was our guy when we were you know starting to come around and start to win meaningful ball games. He was the guy calling all those ball games that we went on to win. To get into the playoffs. The thing is, as a former catcher, I love everything that Russell Martin does, with the exception of being at the plate, because he can't hit anymore. He's just too old. His swing has changed. He can't catch up to the ball. Whatever you want to call it, Russell Martin can't hit. But defensively, 
it's still there. He can't throw runners out like he used to back in the day, but calling the game and blocking the ball and settling down pitchers and doing all of that catcher behind the scenes stuff, you know, that not a lot of casual baseball fans would know about. That's mm-hmm. what I love about Russell Martin, the behind the scenes, the leadership aspect to him. He can't hit. It's really, really frustrating watching him hit because for a while during his Blue Jay tenure, he was kind of coming around, kind of hitting big-time home runs, getting those clutch hits. But that was for a small window during his Blue Jay career. Uh, But just those behind-the-scenes, those just baseball things that he does. I I just love baseball players that do not big outlandish things, you know, like hit and walk off home runs. I mean, I still love those players, but the little things, you know, I just, I love the little things. Uh, Speaking of little things, it is time for the advanced stats segment. I could have really chirped Justin with that segue there, but I chose not to because I'm a nice guy. Speaking of little things, Justin. (laughs) Uh, Advanced stats segments here. Uh, Justin loves his stats and not going to lie, some of the things you come up with, it's like, wow, uh, I definitely didn't see it that way. So uh, what kind of stats are we looking at today so we need to come up with like a jingle or something for this segment where you just make fun of me for like 30 seconds and a... patrick make up a jingle for us right now on the montage. spot what do you got patrick? um da, 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 da. <laughs> justin is a nerd oh <laughs> wow that took a really dark turn uh, you're not wrong uh, <laughs> so the stat i want to talk about today it's, it's going to lead into our next discussion um it's called weighted runs created plus or WRC plus the W is little, the RC are big. And then there's a addition plus sign. So weighted runs created plus, um, is an improved upon version of the old school weighted runs created. So essentially what runs created is, is it, it tells you how many runs a player is worth to his team. So instead of, so say you have a, a guy that's hit 23 doubles, 15 home runs, He's drawn 55 walks, struck out twice as much 110 times, and stolen 19 bases in 24 attempts. Hey, wow, that's great. Um, so if, if we use the runs create, weighted runs created calculation, you'd say that player is worth 24 runs to his team. Okay. So now weighted runs created plus, the additional plus is adjusted for park. So some parks like Coors Field in Denver are better for hitters. Okay. So a hitter there is going to have inflated stats versus if a hitter plays somewhere like Tampa Bay where the trop is not a great environment mm-hmm. or like Texas, which is a huge pitcher's park. Yeah. Um, Detroit is similar. Comerica Park's a huge ballpark mm-hmm. and it definitely benefits pitchers. So it's park and league adjusted. So the American League is weighted a bit differently than the National League because of the DH and, and all those pitcher slots to, to figure in. So what weighted runs created plus does is it shows over the course of a season, how many runs a player is going to be worth to his team. So touching in to our segment on Mike Trout, which we're going to jump into right away here, Mike Trout right now, as of today, if the season were to be over, his WRC plus is, you will not believe this number. (laughs) Stop delaying. It's 210. Oh, wow. The league average hitter, so the it's, it's, it's 100. So WRC plus, if you're an average major league player, your WRC plus is 100. Yeah. Mike Trout is worth over two average major league players right now. Hmm. That's unbelievable. And again, you're doing the Billy Bing thing here. Yeah. It's all about runs. It's all about runs. <laughs> it's all about it runs. Is. And, and it is. I mean, is, runs yeah. win games. And this, this is purely a batting statistic. It has no um, defense, does not factor into this at all. 
those pitchers do not have WRC plus. Well, they do if they're batting pitchers. For example, Deck McGuire has the best WRC plus in our team because he went one for one and is oh, yeah. only a bat yeah. this season. So if you look at that way, Deck McGuire is our best hitter. <laughs> but and then we talk. Patrick brings up the stat WAR a lot, which was wins above replacement, um, which tells how much how many wins a player is worth versus versus the average. So an average major league player is worth zero wins. Mm-hmm. So Mike Trout this year is worth four point nine. And that's a stat that is kind of cumulative. So as the season goes on, that stat will fluctuate, and as will WRC+. But Mike Trout's career war is now at 61.1, which is in the top 10 all time. Yeah, easily. He, it's, it's unbelievable. Like the, the dude ha- he's played 998 games mm-hmm. going into tonight, and he, he's on pace to do some incredible things in his first 1,000 games. Um, so he's got... 1,123 hits. So when Pete Rose, who was the all-time hits leader, played his 1,000th game, he had 1,231. So Mike Trout's about 100 hits behind Pete Rose. Wow. Uh, two games, or two times, or only twice, sorry, twice in his career has Mike Trout gone without getting it on base. So he's reached base never... He's never not reached base. Oh, I, I'm having a hard time saying this. You got it. There's never been a stretch in Mike Trout's career where he's gone longer than two games without reaching base. Wow. Which is unbelievable. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. <laughs> Sixty point five. There's this was his WAR through through nine hundred ninety seven games. So he actually added point six of, of a win in the last game he played because he's this that good. <laughs> I, I can go on about Mike Trout forever. His career batting average is three oh three oh eight. Ken Griffey Jr. was three oh three in his first thousand games. Uh. Okay. Yeah. I think if Mike Trout stays with the, I think if Mike Trout stays with the Angels, though, he's going to be the Dan Marino of Major League Baseball. Yeah. He's never going to win with the Angels. The no. Angels have tried. They no. got Otani for him, and Otani. Well, who knows when he's going to be back? Really, he's going mm-hmm. to be reevaluate reevaluated yeah. in two weeks, I think. But I, I just can't see the Angels winning with their roster, even though they had the best player in the game in Mike Trout. I mm-hmm. just think that the Angels are kind of wasting him. Yeah. But I want him to stay there because I know the other teams that are going to get him are the Yankees and the Red Sox, and I'm so sick and tired of them poaching the rest of the major leagues just for their best players. It's not great. I'm just I'm 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 worried that Mike Trout's legacy is going to be ruined because of the team that he's on. Patrick, do you kind of see it that way as well? Do you see again Mike Trout being one of the all-time greats, but also not in that like all-time like Derek Jeter winning championship kind of greats? I agree that I don't think he'll be able to get the big win in Anaheim, but as long as Mike Trout stays in Anaheim, I feel like he's going to continue to have these types of numbers. I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe it's just the stadium, but him being there seems to bring out the best in him. Right. Uh, not that we, not that we have anything else to compare him to, but. <laughs> The, the tear that he's been on since he started his career, I feel like if he stays in Anaheim, he will continue to accumulate stats just like Dan Marino did in Miami for all of those years when he was playing with the Dolphins in uh, the NFL. Two different games, but the same sort of principle applies where um, uncontested star of the team, ne- job is never going to be in doubt, Um like you said, all those wonderful accomplishments he's already done. He's not even, he's not even thirty. Not even twenty-seven. He's he, he's not even twenty-seven. <laughs> he's going to finish this season 
very close to 250 home runs, and he's definitely not halfway through his career. He's yeah. probably not even a third of the way through his career. No. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. It kind of blows my mind. Sometimes I forget that uh, Mike Trout is such a great player because he plays on such a mediocre to below mediocre team that nobody really cares about. Mm-hmm. But I feel like as he gets closer to hitting those major accomplishments, um, you know, the team will never be competitive for a World Series unless some sort of management miracle happens at some point. But I mean, I think we're going to come to respect his legacy a lot more closer to the end, especially if he doesn't win. Okay. And you you mentioned how there's something about the ballpark in Anaheim. I've got a cool stat for you. So over his career, he's played four more games so far at home than he has on the road. He's hit 112 home runs both at home and and away. So he's he's even split for home runs. He actually has a higher average away from from the, the, his home stadium. He's scored 30 more runs and driven in about 70 more uh, runs RBIs. So, I mean, he's, he's the definition of consistency. It doesn't matter where he plays. Mike Trout's put on a show. Mm-hmm. And I think that you, you've got to respect that about a guy. Like, we, we talk about guys who have played in Colorado for a long time, like Tulowitzki would play there forever. And yeah. people say, oh, Coors, Coors, Coors. This field is just, it's, it's, it's juiced, yeah. essentially. The air is so thin in Denver. But... You look at two of those stats. We can talk about that another time. His his road stats are pretty much the same as they are as they were at home too over his time in Colorado. So it's just good players are good no matter where they play. And Mike Trout is a, I won't say he's the best of all time, but he's in the top ten already. If if if, if Mike Trout can continue to do this for another five years, even if he has suffers a career ending injury, God forbid, when he's thirty years old, he'll be one of the best players of all time. Yeah, ever. Like, let's hope. It, let's hope crazy. he doesn't pull a Griffey where his ankle starts letting him down. Yeah, or some kind of joint starts letting him down, where it's one of those things that turns into a nagging injury. Like I wouldn't want to see him on the deal with hamstrings all the no, time, or, calves. or shoulder <laughs> problems, or calves, or something like that. Kind of. If he does get hurt, let's hope it's something that, like you know, like ribs or yeah. something that's you know easy to fix. Uh, do you see a guy like Juan Soto? Uh, turning into a Mike Trout-esque player. Juan Soto's really cool. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the video of the home run he hit yesterday, um, but he smashed it to the top of the second deck in Nationals Park. Mm. It's not one of the longer home runs hit the season, but it was one of the longer-looking home runs, just the height and just the sheer, I guess, length of time it was in the air. It, was, it had some crazy hang time. And watching Aaron Judge just turn around and watch it go was pretty satisfying. Yeah. So the cool thing about that game um, it was a it was a made up suspended game from May fifteenth. So Juan Soto made his major league debut on May twentieth, but yesterday he played in a game that was originally supposed started to be on May fifteenth. Wow. So so if you look at Juan Soto's um, game logs, it has May fifteenth in there above made above his debut. <laughs> That's cool. So it's it's kind of like Juan Soto just went back in time yesterday yeah. and, and debuted five days before he actually debuted. So it's a cool piece of baseball trivia if anyone's ever asking you yeah. which player played in the game before they debuted. It's, mm-hmm. it's he, he hit a home run in his first quotation mark career at bat. Hmm. So it's kind of interesting, an interesting stat for you. But, I mean, the kid is ranked 13th overall on the prospect list for MLB Pipeline, and, I mean, he's, he's playing in the big leagues. He's Washington's second overall prospect. On their in their system right now, and he's he's doing reasonably well in the big leagues. We've seen some power from him, um, and he's just a heck of an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, is he Mike Trout? No, but I wouldn't put him under the category of a guy like, say, Xander Bogarts, who's a solid player. Yeah, um, 
he's he's definitely in that sort of range where he'll he's he's like a a secondary superstar on a team. Like the Nationals obviously have Bryce Harper and, and Max Scherzer as their is kind of their their big guys, but Soto kind of fits right into that second tier of 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 player. Mm-hmm. Um, should he continue to play like this? I mean, I like the kid a lot. I haven't got to see too much of him outside of highlights. So I mean, we we see all the good stuff. So I don't get to see a lot of times if he's if he's swinging and missing yeah. uh, terrible pitches. But from what what I've seen so far as an avid prospect fan, Juan Soto's got nothing but love for me. Hmm. Good. Um, Patrick, throw it to you quick here. Uh, Juan Soto, who do you think he will turn into? Like if you have a player comparison or something like that. And if you want to touch on this uh, Jacob deGrom thing too, that would be <laughs> great because that's that's a pretty crazy story. Poor guy. Uh, well, I mean, I don't really know very much about Juan Soto, but I know that watching that home run against the Yankees makes me feel really good. <laughs> and that's pretty much all I can say about yeah. Juan Soto right now. Uh, let's talk about Jacob deGrom then, because this guy cannot get run support, especially against the Braves. He's had four starts against the Braves this year or something like that. Yeah. And I think he hasn't gotten more than two runs in each of those starts. Well, he's only given up two runs in 25 innings against the Braves. Oh, the Mets man. are 0-4 when DeGrom pitches. And uh, he's given up two runs two in four runs. games. So the, the, the only short, he's went seven innings in three of them. And in those three games, he's given up two runs total. It, on May 2nd, he left after four innings with an injury. But he had already struck out, struck out six. The Braves won that game 7 nothing. Um, the Braves have won two of them 4-3 and another 2 to nothing. So in, in four games... Jake DeGrom has gotten six runs of support. I'm not even sure if all six of those runs were scored when he was actually still in the game or not. No, they were not That's just, yeah. in, in total, mm-hmm. the Mets have scored six runs in four games that DeGrom has pitched against the Braves. And mm-hmm. he's went to the seventh inning, barring injury, and struck out no fewer than seven in, in any of those starts wow. that he went seven innings. So wow. yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. And, I mean, the guy last night, uh, eight innings against the Rockies at Coors Field, so Coors, there's yeah. the Coors effect for you. Struck out seven, walked one, gave up five hits in a run over eight innings, and lowered his ERA to 1.51 on the season. Mm. And I'm not sure what his record is, but I don't, I don't really care about record. Um, wins and losses, who cares? Yeah, it's it's about how the guy's performing, and he's he's he deserves to win every game he starts. If you have a guy with a 1.51 ERA and you can't win a game. Mets. Yeah, the Mets are. Let's call it what it is. Let's call it what it is. They're they're really bad. Um, somehow, some way, we got some fan mail over the past couple of days. <laughs> yeah. Awesome! Wow! Cool! I, I think this is from my mom, but you know what? We're still gonna count it. Um, Patrick, you got the uh, fan mail there. Hey, why don't you just read it here? It's from anonymous, by the way. So. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the viewer wanted to uh, remain anonymous, but uh, nonetheless, the Coward. question is. Uh, and it's actually more of a comment and question, yeah. so brace yourselves. Yeah. Even the elite pitchers in the game have off days and get tagged for runs. Most times this happens because their stuff is just off for a night or they are just going up against elite hitting. Is Marcus Stroman still able to be elite? In other words, is he getting tagged because hitters have figured him out or because his stuff just isn't where it once was? Or is it both? Uh, the same thing with Estrada. Right. In my mind, three years ago, he was our most consistent pitcher, and his stuff was so good that hitters could know there was a 90% chance they'd see a fastball or changeup and still couldn't hit it. Has he now become more inconsistent 
but like I said, is it because his stuff isn't what it once was, or uh, is it that hitters have finally caught on, or both? So should we touch on Stroman and Estrada in separate cases on this one? I think yes. so. Yeah, because I think they're two... Very different pitchers. Very different pitchers and very different people. Marco <laughs> Estrada says like 10 words a day, maybe. Uh, Marcus Stroman <laughs> says 10 words a minute on his Instagram account. I think it's all in Marcus Stroman's head right now. I think a lot of the uh, Toronto fanfare that he received when he changed his number to six and when he started to get a lot of love from the Toronto fans, his Instagram blew up and all that stuff, his uh, height doesn't measure heart brand blew up. I think he got a little too famous, a little too quick. Too big for his britches. I think a little bit because the whole Aaron Sanchez thing is one thing, how they used to be bros and now they're not bros anymore. <laughs> but just memes. how... <laughs> How he interacts with the media is way different than when he first came up. Yeah. When he first came up, again, he was saying all the right things. He was being the team guy that's saying, you know what, uh, it's a team game. We win as a team, we lose as a team. Saying all those sports cliches that you love. Now he's he's calling out guys in the media. I mean, there's only a couple cases of that. It's not like he's doing it every day. But it just seems like he's more irritated with the media now. And he's more of a, well, I've earned more than this, you know? It just seems like he's... Hashtag communication. A little bit, you know, and it just seems like it's in his head. So I think that in his head, he expects to go out there and pitch phenomenally every game. And when it doesn't happen, he, he gets get really him. frustrated and it might lead to another bad start. So yeah. with him, I think it's more of a mental thing. With Estrada, I think it's more of a physical thing because his age is getting up there. And yeah, sometimes his stuff just isn't, you know, the ball's not moving for him or the wind might be really windy one day that gives him a lot of movement on his slider. Yeah. Next start, it might not be there for him, you know? So I think with Stroman, it's mental. With Estrada, it's physical. Mm-hmm. Patrick? Yeah, I think I agree with you. Uh, the issue with Estrada is that he's just getting up there in age, and the success that he found with his very deceptive changeup just isn't there anymore. No. He's lost a little bit of velocity on his fastball. It makes it a little bit easier to hit. Uh, and Estrada is a fly ball pitcher, is he not? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's Pretty starting to give up a lot more long balls and I just I just think he's he's just a victim of having a very above average season for himself and now he's getting a little bit closer to what the reality is for 35 or 36 year old Estrada or however old he is uh, it's just wear and tear and it's it's with him I think it's all physical with Marcus Stroman I I'm hesitant to say this, but the, it's kind of funny to me that he has this brand, height doesn't measure heart, but yet when he goes, all this year he's been out there, it just it's like his, there's no heart. Mm-hmm. He's just not pitching well. He's giving up a lot of walks. He's not striking out as many batters as he used to. It's just there's always runners on base when he's out there on the mound. There's there's I don't know if it's uh, if it's a, entirely a mental thing, but maybe he just needs a fresh start somewhere else, somewhere where he can act, you know, the way that he has been uh, in the media and not draw that much attention to the rest of the team or even himself. So maybe it's time for us to deal him to you know los angeles or san francisco and let him be you know the big star in in the big city sure uh i'm, I'm kind of on marcus stroman's fan wagon still 
I, I like I, I've said previously that I unfollowed him on every social media platform because I just don't want to see that. The the big thing for Strowman, you, you alluded to it, Patrick, is that he's just walking a ton of people. There's always somebody on base. Um, I'd counter the fact that you said he's striking out less people. He's actually striking out the same as he always has, seven per nine. I mean, he was walking four and a half per nine versus a two and a half he usually does. The... That's a lot of walks. Um, hitters are hitters aren't hitting any. They're hitting a little bit better against him this year, uh, but he's still getting sixty percent ground balls, which is right in line with his career average. He was a victim of a bit of a bad luck. I could get into the advanced stats, but I won't here, just for time's sake. Uh, but he's received. He's been on the, the bad end of some of some luck so far this season. I think he was still injured when he started the season. He mm-hmm. he went down with that shoulder inflammation in spring training, and knowing how passionate Stroman can be, I'm sure he was lobbying to come back as soon as possible. He wanted to pitch opening day in New York. He did pitch in that series in the third the third game, I believe it was, or the fourth game. I think that was a four-gamer. It didn't go well, obviously, uh, as he's 0-5 on the season with, with a 7-71 ERA. Uh, but I still truly believe that he wasn't 100% healthy. And for a guy who puts so much effort in with a smaller frame to throw the velocity and to get the movement that Stroman does. Um, he definitely needs to work a bit harder. So I, I'm, I'm willing to give him he, – he threw seven starts before he got hurt. He's got a chance to throw five or six more before the trade deadline. I'd like to see Stroman just completely turned around. He's a guy that we can keep. He's still in his arbitration year, so he's not a free agent for a little while yet. So – there's no point in giving up on Stroman now um, before we have to. On And on Estrada, yeah, I mean, you, you said the changeup, Patrick, it's just it's not fooling anybody anymore, and that's that's definitely true. From Over 2015 and 2016, he had one of the best changeups in the league, and now it's actually a, a negative pitch value for him. So it, it, he's not helping himself by throwing the changeup as much as he, as much as he is. Um, but that being said, none of his pitches are adding positive value to his arsenal right now. So I, I think in the Estrada's case, if, and again, maximize value, if we can move him sooner rather than later and get something for him before he becomes that free agent, yeah, 100%. I'll, I, take, I'll take anything I can get from him at this I'm point. I'm so over the, if he gets better, we could trade him I talk. Know. I'm not saying like if he it. gets like, better. I'm just saying if he keeps doing what he's doing, like yeah. move him for something. He's proven that he can perform in the playoffs. He's pitching some big games for us, mm-hmm. and I that's something that teams will look at. And there are lots of teams who can use a fourth or fifth starter or depth. They could even use him as a long man out of the pen if they needed to for mm-hmm. a while. And if somebody gets hurt, then, yeah, he's there. He's got the experience. He's been a big league pitcher for 10 years now. So I, I think Estrada is a guy who teams will look at along with Hap. I think those are him and Estrada and Hap are the two starting pitchers that we will trade because Sanchez and Stroman we still have tons of control over. For the next couple of years, and they're young, they fit in well with what we're building with a core. Whereas Hap and Estrada are both on the wrong side of 34. Mm-hmm. Estrada being 34, and Hap, I believe, being 36. So those are kind of guys that, by the time our prospects like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bobachet, Lotus Guriel, Danny Jansen, Logan Warmuth, Kevin Biggio are ready, um, Hap and Estrada are going to be f- almost 40. Yeah, there's they're not going to be a part of the picture. So why don't we why don't we move them now? Let Sanchez and Stroman develop, and by the time these kids are ready, they'll still be on the right side of 30. Yeah. Well, friends. Uh, I've got a hypothetical for you guys before sure. we shut down the convo on uh, Stroman exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, let's say that he comes back 
this year and he still can't get it together we still have years of control which is great and that's the primary reason why we wouldn't want to move him what about considering him for like a long reliever role and maybe try to take the pressure off of starting you know for a season or so of control where he can go in the bullpen come out he only has to get three outs or six outs or whatever and maybe it kind of helps him build his confidence back or maybe try to get back to having some consistency in his stuff. Is that too far-fetched, or is he a starter or bust? Marcus Stroman's a starting pitcher. Um, there's no way. I don't think Stroman has the the mentality to be a one- or two-inning guy, and, and a long reliever gets used if you're, if you're in an ideal situation once every 10 games. Um, Stroman's a guy who's out there every fifth. Every fifth day, rain or shine, and he's ready to work. Uh, I don't think with Strom, I don't think it's an issue of, I, I still believe he was injured. I don't think it's an issue of him just pitching poorly. I think he was pitching poorly because of injury. And to to judge him now, we, we saw Gritchuk come back and play well after hitting the DL. So I, I want to give Stroman all the benefit of the doubt and all the chances he can to turn his season around and help us stay competitive. So I, I'm I'm I'd say definite zero to ten that I'd ever want Stroman in the bullpen. If Stroman gets mad about Aaron Sanchez hiring a new agent, can you imagine how mad he would get <laughs> with a move to the fucking bullpen? This guy would cry. He would demand uh, a trade. He would not fucking do it. No, there's he's no not way. A te- he's not a team guy anymore. No, and I don't think he that's is. That's the one thing I still love him. I love Stroman. When he changed number six, I was like, this is my guy right cool. here. I love it. But he's just he's changed. He's mm-hmm. definitely changed. He's not the same person he was three years ago when him and David Price were all buddy-buddy. Uh, David Price is teaching me everything he knows. David Price this. He's he's going to be the next awesome Jay, you know? He's gone from that to just very kind of assholish, yeah. do I say. I still love him, and I love how he pitches with so much passion, and he's all fired up. But when you're telling people that, oh, it's not that big of an injury, I'm going to miss 10 days, and you miss like a month and a bit... <laughs> That's where you gotta be like, man. Just be honest. Like, just just tell us the truth. Just it's just something up with him. Something's up with Marcus Stroman. Well, anonymous. I hope we answered your question. Yeah. And uh, any closing remarks here, fellas? Anything we missed that you guys want to get in pretty quick here? We only got a couple more minutes. No, I I, I think that we've we've covered everything uh, pretty in depth. Um, I want to do more advanced stats, but we don't have yeah, time. Yeah, we know you do. <laughs> we know you do in your numbers. Oh, I love them. I want to make more jokes about dicks and stuff, but I mean, I'm not going to turn this into the dick joke podcast. <laughs> that's for later. <laughs> that's that's for when you go to bed. Bat flips and maple dips after dark. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think that's it for this week. Um, on behalf of the Halifax hottie, the... Uh, maritime mistress maker patrick marsh uh and justin don't call me anderson anderson this is uh i need a nickname but i'm not going to give myself a nickname because people who do that suck yeah. so uh yeah that's uh that's us signing up episode three uh Bathlips maple Dubs in the books we'll we'll see you next week thanks for listening